AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies, and I'm your host, Movie Mike Distro. Today, the topic is simple underrated superhero movies i got my top five on this list we'll also do some battling movie reviews two horror movies out right now Candyman and malignant i'll let you know which one you need to spend your money on i'll also talk about the trailer for matrix 4 all that on the way on this week's episode appreciate you being subscribed appreciate you listening every single week without any further ado let's get started in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So I love superhero movies. I think if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, that's pretty apparent. It was actually a superhero movie that inspired me to even start doing movie reviews in this capacity. The first time I went to go see Batman vs. Superman, that was like the first review I did. And decided, you know what, I love movies so much, I love superhero movies so much in particular, why not review them every single time I go watch one? That was kind of the birth of this podcast, so I'll admit, there's been a lot of superhero movies over the years. I think Hollywood has greatly just cashed in on the profitable formula, leaving some of us probably a little bit burnt out on the genre altogether. But I think right now we're seeing the ones being really successful are ones that have been able to kind of reinvent the formula, especially now that we're coming into 2022 already. I think you kind of have to change how you make superhero movies to keep us interested, at least the people who haven't checked out already. But, But by saying that, I also feel... There are some hidden gems out there that have kind of been lost in the oversaturation of superhero movies. So I wanted to share with you five movies that I think are underrated and just overlooked in the genre. 
some of these are movies I felt that were a little bit ahead of their time and that if they came out right now would probably be an overall more successful movie. But let's start it off with number five from 2008, Hancock, starring Will Smith. This one had a really great premise for a superhero movie, kind of the anti-superhero movie to where it's this superhero who is an alcoholic and he's just kind of a bad superhero. He does save some people and in his past was probably a greater superhero, but now he's just kind of selfish, self-centered, doesn't really care about all the damages he does in saving people. And that has led him to have not the greatest reputation overall, just be hated by the public for, you know, his drunkenness and his careless acts and what i also love about this movie is that it kind of showed for the first time the consequences that you would have for being a superhero like yes you save a person but you also took out three buildings in the process or crash some cars it shows what those repercussions would be like in the real world i feel like this movie was a little bit ahead of its time coming out in 2008 we've seen now the success of the tv show the boys which is about superheroes that on the exterior appear like they're saving the world but when you peel back it's kind of a dirtier business and just because you're a superhero doesn't mean that you're a great person so i don't think this movie is particularly a perfect movie but I do love the different take on the genre. And it's a movie I feel like I would have loved to seen a sequel to. Like I felt like Hancock 2 could have fixed the problems in Hancock 1 and made it even better. But I still think it's a really enjoyable movie. A really fun watch from Will Smith to Charlize Theron. You also have Jason Bateman. It's just a great team combined along with a great story. So it's one that I feel just gets a little bit overlooked. So I'll put that one at number five. At number four from 2010 is a movie called Kick-Ass. And it's a story about a kid who loves superheroes so much that he wants to become one despite not having any superpowers of his own, if, which I feel highly relatable to. As a kid, I just wanted to be a superhero so bad. And the only time I've ever come close to having developed any kind of superhero powers was as a kid, I was probably like two or three years old and I still have this scar on my hand to this day. I got bit by a Black Widow spider, almost died, almost took me out. And from that bite, I was hoping that at some point in my life, I would develop some kind of superhero powers like Spider-Man, but I never did. All we got from it as a result was this scar on my hand and my parents got a very high medical bill, but I would have loved to turn into a superhero at some point. And I think that's what kind of Kick-Ass does. So it's this guy who teams up with these other kind of misfit vigilantes. They go on to fight crime against this mob. And stylistically, I think Kick-Ass just has a really cool feel to it from the cinematography, but what I really loved and I think really shines in this movie and the sequel is the costume design. Fantastic. Like if I were designing superhero characters, I would make them look like this. And it gives me that feeling of me when I was a kid wanting to be a superhero and I would kind of draw my costume of what I would look like. It would look like this. They're very bold, very bright, very colorful, and very fun. So I just love the world that's created in Kick-Ass. I love the action. I love the commitment to violence. And like Hancock, I also felt like Kick-Ass was a little bit ahead of its time in 2010, which now it's kind of the norm to put out an R-rated superhero movie. And all superhero movies now don't have to be made for kids, but at the time they were. In the heyday of the Avengers and Iron Man and all those movies coming out at that time, I think that's why Kick-Ass was a little bit overlooked. It was in the superhero genre when superhero movies were really only being marketed towards families and kids and teenagers and of course nerds like myself but now really superhero movies have no limits on who they can appeal to so i'm putting kick-ass on the list at number four and the sequel is just as good so if you end up watching kick-ass there's also a sequel to it with jim carrey whose character i love in the sequel both very over the top both very violent but i think just great superhero movies at number three is a movie i've mentioned before 
because it's from director James Gunn, who just did The Suicide Squad. He's also the mind behind Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's a movie in 2010 that he did called Super. And if you've ever wanted to see Rain Wilson from The Office, who plays Dwight, as a superhero, then, well, this is the movie for you. And the story behind Super is Rain Wilson plays this character who his wife leaves him for this other guy, played by Kevin Bacon, and he decides to transform himself into a costume vigilante, much like also kind of the story behind Kick-Ass. We're starting to see a theme here. But he goes to comic book shops, he watches TV shows to kind of get an idea of what he needs to do to be a comic book superhero. So he's just a normal guy who puts together this costume and then goes out into his town and just waits for crime waits for things to happen, and then hops in to try and save other people's lives. And in itself, it kind of pokes fun at the superhero genre, at the same time kind of bringing it to a real-life situation with some very kind of dry humor, dry situations, and also, you guessed it, some brutal violence. But I think I just love the idea of a normal guy wanting to be a superhero without any superpowers. And it's a dude who's middle-aged, had some bad kind of luck in his life, and wanted to do this. The movie also has a great cast. I already mentioned Rain Wilson and Kevin Bacon, but also Elliot Page and Liv Tyler. And I think with director James Gunn, kind of gives this movie a feel of its own. It feels very indie and lo-fi. So it's not your typical big explosion superhero movie. But at the core of the story and through the art of his filmmaking... It makes for a really fun watch. So a fun take on the genre and one I would put at number three. At number two is one I'm probably going to get the most hate for or the one that you are probably going to disagree with the most. But I just love The Incredible Hulk. And I think he just hasn't been done justice when it comes to having his own solo movies. They just haven't been well received by audiences. And I think it was kind of cursed from the 2003 version of The Hulk, which no one should watch. Like, just don't watch that movie. I, I'm... Don't love that that movie exists, but I think it kind of left a bad taste in people's mouths when it came to the Hulk. And when this one came out in 2008, I felt like people didn't give it a chance. And I loved the 2008 Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. I thought they had a fantastic take on the story. I loved what Edward Norton did with Bruce Banner and really kind of made him seem like this tortured individual who really didn't want to be the Hulk. But I think for some reason, people just didn't really gravitate towards Edward Norton. Or maybe he wasn't as believable, even though I thought he did a really good job. So I think take this exact same movie and put Mark Ruffalo back into it now. I think it would be a hit. And this was very early on in the MCU. This was coming right off of Iron Man, led right into Iron Man 2. And it's the first time they ever mentioned in the post credit scenes anything about the Avengers. So I think it's a very important and overlooked movie in the entire MCU. But I think due to the lack of box office performance and overall just not great reception from critics, it's kind of led to Marvel not wanting to take a chance on another solo movie. He's been a great presence in all the Avengers movies. I think anytime the Hulk appears on screen, it's a big treat. But for some reason, he just hasn't worked in solo movies, even though I really love this one. And if you haven't seen it, I think it's a worthy watch. And if you have seen it, I think maybe it's worth a second look. All right, so we're going to come back here and talk about what I think is the number one most underrated superhero movie. I'll also give some honorable mentions after this. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. 
I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's roll through some honorable mentions now. I gotta say, I think the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man series is oftentimes the most overlooked and underrated for what the Spider-Man movies did when they came out. Like, those movies aren't just great superhero comic book movies. They're just great movies on their own. And I think aside from Batman in the 80s and 90s, that's really what set the stage for Marvel to have success later on. Those are the movies that really kind of set the stage for Marvel to have its success later on with the X-Men and then the Avengers. And I know everybody loves Tom Holland now as Spider-Man, but I really think Tobey Maguire is an underrated Spider-Man. Another honorable mention I want to say is Batman Returns. I think hands down Michael Keaton is the best Batman, and I think this is his best Batman movie. I thought Tim Burton did such a great job on this movie to create the larger-than-life comic book feel. I like how he put his kind of eerie stamp on it where it has a little bit of like a, a spooky feel, Halloween-type feel but still feels like a comic book movie at its core. And this one has one of the greatest casts out of every Batman movie with not only Michael Keaton, but Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, Danny DeVito as the Penguin, and Christopher Walken all just nailed their performances in this movie. So I know we give all the credit to now Heath Ledger's Joker as being the greatest villain in any Batman movie. I just think Catwoman and the Penguin are overlooked. And out of every Batman movie, this is probably the one I've rewatched the most times. So I got to give it to Batman Returns. And then another honorable mention I have is a movie from 2012 called Chronicle. And this was during that trend of all the lost footage movies. And what I mean by that is there was a whole period of time to where these movies would come out. And it's all put together by footage taken from like video cameras or old VHS tapes 
We saw it with movies like Paranormal Activity, Cloverfield, and Chronicle was one of those as well. But this was a lost footage movie based on these teenagers who accidentally stumbled upon superpowers. And it's this teenager who's this just socially awkward kid, but now has this ability to fly and crush things with his mind. And it starts out with them all just having fun and doing, you know, things you would do as a teenager when you discover you have superhero powers to suddenly becoming a bigger, bigger issue as they become more powerful and their lives start to, you know, spin out of control. So it turns pretty dark. But all of this is done through the lens of the main character who's just always filming everything. So it's them and their telekinetic powers. And one of the teenagers is actually Michael B. Jordan. So it's a really fun movie. And not a full-on superhero movie, but one I feel that people don't really talk about. So if you haven't seen Chronicle and that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. So those are my honorable mentions. Let's get to number one now. It's a movie I actually just recently watched on HBO Max and kind of inspired this entire list because I loved it so much. And I think it's without a doubt one of the best movies that DC Comics has ever made. And you can actually watch it now on HBO Max. And it's called The Death of Superman. And fair warning, it is animated. And I don't know why I feel the need to warn you about that. But I think one of the reasons I waited so long to watch it, because it was animated. And I thought to myself, why am I going to sit down and watch an animated movie? I'm not going to be interested in that. I'm not going to be entertained by that. But within about 20 minutes into this movie, the whole idea of it being animated kind of went out the window. Because it's done so well that you forget that you're watching you know, animated characters. And it's weird to say, like, you associate animation with being a kid's movie when that's not the case anymore. With anime just being so well-received now, I think a movie like this should have had a lot more attention to it. Especially when it comes to DC. And, you know, really the hate, sometimes unwarranted hate that they get on their movies just overall not being the best. I feel like I would have put this movie, like, at the forefront of, like, but look what we made here. Like, DC should have done that. And why I think the animation works so well with this movie is because it lends itself perfectly to the story. I feel like the downfall of DC has sometimes is they try to do too much with their movies, whether it be too many layers to a story or the overuse of special effects and CGI to where it just becomes very apparent to me that I'm watching these actors that are just basically behind a green screen the entire time. And it really kind of keeps me from connecting with the movie because I'm so distracted with all of the CGI computer generated graphics. But when it comes to the death of Superman, the animation is pretty basic. It is what it is. And the great thing about that, it allows you to focus in on the characters, focus in on what's going on, and really just makes for an easy watch. Also, since it's animated, it's less than an hour and a half. So it doesn't even feel like an overcommitment to watching a usual DC movie. That's probably 220. And my favorite thing about this movie is the title and the movie poster because I love that it essentially spoiled itself with the title and the image in the movie poster because you know exactly by reading it what the movie is going to be about and what's ultimately going to happen. Like that's not a spoiler in me saying that the death of Superman is about the death of Superman. It's in the title. You can't be mad at me for spoiling the movie. The whole time you're watching it, you know what's going to happen and you're kind of waiting for it to happen But that doesn't take away from the ending. It makes it, if anything, more impactful. So the movie is based on a comic book and it stays pretty true to what happens in the actual comic book with a few key changes. It's about Superman and the Justice League basically meeting their ultimate match. This big alien creature that's very powerful falls into Earth and just starts wreaking havoc 
Like just straight up killing people limb from limb. And they show all that. Of course, it's all animated. So it's all just cartoon blood, if you will. But that's the kind of movie it is. And I just think that's such a great villain that just comes, never says a word. But through his actions, you know exactly that he's here to mess things up, terrorize things. Almost wanted to curse there, but I won't. And there's no overcomplicated evil plan. It's just this creature that wants to destroy things and kill anything that gets in its path. And it just so happens to be the Justice League and Superman. And I felt like this was just the most fleshed out real life version of Superman that I've ever seen in any movie. There's no origin story needed. They do assume that you know some things about Superman. And it really just made me excited for the character again because oftentimes I just felt like Superman was an overrated superhero and just happens to be one of the most popular ones because it's the one that's just most recognizable. But this movie kind of made me realize how cool his superpowers are and how much of a force he is. And it kind of just makes me sad that all of his movies haven't been the best and it took this animated one to really make me a superman fan again so one of my favorite superhero movies from dc that i've seen easily top five if not top three and i just feel kind of the same way about animation that i do about subtitles like don't let that stop you from watching a movie like this because at its core it's really good so there it is those are my top five most underrated superhero movies of all time if you have one you want to suggest or think i got something wrong well, let me know in a DM on Instagram at Mike Distro or send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. 
Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gonna get into a couple movie reviews now. I'm doing battling movie reviews this week, two horror movies that are out now, and I wanna tell you which one you should spend your money on, because there's two different ways to watch these movies. I feel like right now we're getting back into wanting to watch something scary as Halloween approaches, which I have a bunch of ideas planned for next month with Halloween and all that kind of scary movies. And I wasn't really in the mindset yet to watch something scary, but these two movies came out and I was like, all right, I'm going to step my foot into the horror genre a little bit earlier than I wanted. And I think these movies are a little bit ahead of like people wanting something scary right now, unless you're a big horror fan. So I myself love a good scary movie. I feel the idea of horror has changed a lot over the recent years. These two movies are a perfect example of that. So let's get into these reviews, starting first with Candyman. The brand new 2021 version, picking right up from the old 1992 movie. If you haven't seen the trailer for this one yet, here's just a little bit of that. And the legend is, if we say his name five times while looking in the mirror, we could summon him. Summon the Candyman. Hell no. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. I don't want to get creeped out in my new apartment before bed. Candyman. Black people don't need to be summoning say his name Candyman. i was really excited about this movie one because it's written by jordan peele who is the mind behind movies like us and get out and i know he didn't direct the movie but just by watching the trailer i felt like he gave me the same vibes as some of his movies the trailer i thought was thrilling in itself so i was like all right i'm not gonna watch anything else going into this movie i want to see if it's actually scary now, I do think that the idea of Candyman itself is bigger than this movie has ever been. Because you probably remember the old saying of if you say his name five times, he appears in the mirror. I think we probably all tried this out as kids. That idea alone and that scary concept transcends the entire movie itself. The movie is what it is. The original I'm talking about. But I think that whole idea is scarier than the idea of Candyman himself. This movie, I felt like, took it a bit further, and I just didn't really feel like it was a scary movie. It's a horror movie, but I don't think you should go into this movie wanting to be scared. What I think this movie is, is kind of a drama with horror elements. I think that's what this movie is, and maybe within the first half of it, I was a little bit disappointed in a way that I wasn't as scared as I was expecting to be. But once I kind of realized the message this movie was trying to get across and what it was going for, I found myself enjoying it a lot more. You won't go into this and be like, oh my gosh, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. I jumped out of my seat a lot. I did it. I really didn't. But through this telling of this story, which is about this guy who essentially is working on an art project and he goes to study this neighborhood and learns about the history of Candyman. And through his kind of artwork, he inadvertently brings back Candyman. So this movie is kind of just his fall into madness, if you will, and him trying to convince his girlfriend that Candyman is real. And I thought the horror scenes in this movie, the kill scenes, were pretty graphic. It's your pretty straight ahead slashing and killing and lots of blood but what i think this movie did a really good job of it had a stylistic edge going into it and it made it really just intriguing to watch 
and why I feel this movie works over some other horror movies with this same kind of concept, the same kind of idea, is that the storytelling was actually really well done in this movie. You go all through the steps of seeing this guy learn about Candyman, and they kind of retell his story and the backstory, I think, really well, which made you kind of connect with him as a character. So I found myself actually caring about this guy and caring what happened to him. But I would say it's more of a thriller, more of a very intense drama than it is a straight up horror movie. So this movie's not going to give you nightmares in any way. But I think if you go into it knowing at least that much about it, you will enjoy it. It's a really good movie. There's nothing bad about this movie. I think I just had different expectations of it going into it. And the way the movie is kind of packaged up with the trailer and the whole thing behind Candyman, you go into it expecting something different. So you could be disappointed in that aspect. And I like the way they took the original 1992 film and really modernized it and made it look just beautiful. The special effects in this are great. I love the costume design on Candyman. So if I had to give it a rating, I would give it four out of five hooks easily. So that's first up in our horror movie review battle next up i'm going to talk about malignant which is a brand new movie from director james wan who's also done movies like the conjuring insidious saw and outside of horror he's also done furious 7 and aquaman so i think there was a lot of hype going into this one him kind of going back to his horror roots and i saw a lot of people excited about this one took a little convincing for me to watch it but it is in theaters and on hbo max if you have that before I get into this review and let you know which of these movies is better, here's just a little bit of that trailer. I'm seeing murders as they're happening. He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. So what this movie is about, this woman living in Seattle with an abusive boyfriend, She's pregnant and she's having these really dark, violent dreams that she thinks are just dreams. But it turns out that this serial killer in her dreams is actually real. And the things aren't just happening in her dreams, they're happening in real life. So it's her trying to figure out why she is cursed, what is actually going on. And the entire movie kind of tells all the backstory and you find out what the killer is all about. And I think this movie was a little bit overhyped. And I think it's because the director, James Wan, has had so much success in creating some really great horror movies, and this was an original story for him, that I was expecting a lot more. And I felt like, first of all, the main character felt a little hollow to me, and it, it was just something about the acting in this. I felt like I was watching a soap opera. And everything about this movie, I wasn't impressed by. I felt it was a little bit uninspiring. Now, the serial killer in itself was a scary villain. There were some, you know, creepy things going on. But it was almost too weird and wanting to be so, like, kind of twisted that I didn't really find it scary. I found it kind of cheesy. I didn't find myself at any point thinking, man, this is a really scary movie. I was just like, this feels like a horror fairy tale soap opera that I don't even really want to finish watching. So it's not scary, at least to me. And there was nothing in this movie that really made me care about it. I didn't care about the characters, but I also didn't care about the horror itself. And I think that's what you have to do in a good horror movie. You either have to make it really scary and over the top, and you want to just see all like the violence go down or how creepy, you know, the killer appearing again. Get me interested in that or make it so fun to where it's kind of cheesy, which I think is kind of 
the resurgence that we've seen a little bit in movies like Fear Street to where it is a little campy. It's a little fun. You got to like want to be in the mood to watch something like that. This is really neither of those things. I think it kind of, for me, missed on both of those fronts to where didn't find it scary at all, but also didn't find it like cheesy enough to appeal to me in that way. So this was an easy battle to me because I only give Malignant 1.5 out of 5 Violent Nightmares. The only thing Malignant has over Candyman is that it is available on HBO Max as well in theaters. So if you already have that HBO Max subscription, you can watch it for free. Candyman, you have to go to the theaters to watch it right now. It will be available soon on Video On Demand at home. But if I would have paid money to go watch Malignant in theaters, I would have been very disappointed. So those are some early horror movie reviews right now. I think coming up in October, we'll have a lot more to talk about. But if you're just that eager to watch something scary right now, well, that's what I think about those two movies. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which is morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get into some movie news now. I want to break down what I think about the new Matrix 4 trailer. And I'll say right at the top of this that I never really got into the whole Matrix trilogy. I've seen all the movies, but I was never one to be like, oh, they need to make another one of these. I thought the trilogy was fine. I like the first one the best, but I think it's kind of Keanu Reeves' resurgence with movies like John Wick that maybe there is something there for Matrix 4. So if you haven't seen the trailer for this yet, here's just a little bit of that. I've had dreams that weren't just dreams. Am I crazy? 
We don't use that word in here. Hi. Have we met? So what I do like about it is, of course, Keanu Reeves is back, and they've also brought back some other main characters that you see in the trailer. The one that I was kind of... I knew because I read before that Lawrence Fishburne wasn't asked to be back in Matrix 4, but seeing them kind of bring back a newer Morpheus was a little bit weird to me, but I think the movie will still work without him. And the trailer doesn't really answer a whole lot of questions about what this movie is going to be about, but you see him kind of going back into the Matrix, the blue and the red pill have returned. The cool thing about it, though, it doesn't look like it takes place right after the original trilogy. It looks like it was like now in modern day, what he would be going through now. The whole idea of the Matrix is in his head and he's like struggling as a human because of it. So I actually think this one looks pretty good. And I know when Hollywood just goes back and adds on a fourth movie to a franchise that was already successful. Oftentimes it's not that great and it adds nothing to the trilogy because it already stands as what it was. Movies like Toy Story 4, I feel like that was kind of an epilogue to Toy Story. It was a perfect trilogy, but needed to make some more money, wanted to write up another story. I don't think Toy Story 4 was necessary. So when it comes to The Matrix, I don't think they'll add a whole lot to what that trilogy was because that was years ago already. I mean, the first one came out in 1999. So I don't think they were really making those at that time for like, oh, we'll make a four 20 years later. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But the other thing that kind of excites me about this trailer, I realize how ahead of its time the Matrix was to come out in 1999 with the special effects. And now they're just so much better that you can take everything that happened in that one and just make it look seamless. So I think 2021 really kind of lends itself better to the world of the Matrix. So visually, just from the trailer, it looks pretty amazing. If you bring back all the same kind of action, I think this movie will work. I think without a doubt, it's going to make a lot of money at the box office. But I think what you're playing with here is the legacy that the Matrix has. The other thing I kind of worry about is the title, Matrix Resurrections. I feel like that's a little bit uncreative. And anytime you put resurrection or resurrections in a title, historically, it's not that great of a movie. Halloween Resurrection comes to mind, and that's probably the worst or one of the worst Halloween movies. And I love Michael Myers. I'll watch any Halloween movie, but it just feels a little bit kind of uncreative or kind of boring. But I guess it's a step above just Matrix 4. But yeah, I'm glad they brought back Carrie Ann Moss, Jada Pinkett Smith. And you have Neil Patrick Harris in here. So I'm excited to see this. It comes out on December 22nd of this year. We'll see how it does. All right, so that's going to do it for movie news. That'll do it for this week's episode. Appreciate everybody for listening, being subscribed to the podcast. Before I go, every single week, I give a shout out to one of you guys listening. And some people ask, well, how do I get a shout out? It's really easy. All you have to do is send me a DM on Instagram. You can tweet me at Mike Distro or comment over on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Mike Distro, or send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. I've been getting a lot of emails over there. Some of you even inspiring me with some possible topics that I'll do later, some themes I'll do later. So always appreciate those emails. So this one actually comes to me from Instagram. I got tagged on an Instagram story from at Sweet Eats by V. 
it was a screenshot of the top five Disney soundtracks episode and said, I literally LOL'd at I'm convinced this movie doesn't exist anymore. And that was a reference to the Top Gun sequel being delayed again. So appreciate that. That's from Vanessa. Actually looks like her business account. She makes some sweet eats over there. So if you're living in Long Beach and want some cookie cake or cake pops, you can go over to Sweet Eats by V and know that she is a fellow Movie Mike's Movie Podcast listener. So appreciate that. If you're listening on release day, hope you have a good rest of your week. And until next week, later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.